Hello and welcome to Love Thy Lawyer, where we talk to real lawyers about their lives in and out of the practice of law, how they got to be lawyers, and what their experience has been. I'm Lewis Goodman, the host of the show, and yes, I'm a lawyer. Nobody's perfect. While traveling in Europe, he realized that social goals were important to his career and life. After gaining a variety of legal experiences, he decided to litigate criminal, civil, and family law cases. He provides zealous representation to individuals of all economic classes. Gaurav Bali, welcome to Love Thy Lawyer. Well, thank you for having me, Lewis. It's a pleasure to have you. We've worked some cases together, and I've always enjoyed that. Tell me, where is your office located right now? I'm in Jack London Square at 423rd Street. How long have you been there? We've been there for about two years. And what kind of practice do you have? My focus really is uh, quite broad, so I shouldn't call it a focus, but the areas that we take cases, civil, specifically personal injury, is a smaller part of the practice. Family law and criminal law are the larger parts of the practice. Now, when you say we, are you associated with other attorneys? Well, I have at least one of counsel that I use, and he is very helpful in cases where I just don't have the bandwidth uh, to litigate. Where are you from originally? So I was born in Hayward, California, and my family is from India. Where'd you go to high school? In, in Hayward? I went to high school in Mission, in Fremont, Mission San Jose High School. Oh, that's a very good high school, I'm told. It was very enjoyable and highly competitive. Yeah, very competitive. How did you do there? I guess you did okay. I, I, I fared okay. I'll, I'll say that. And eventually led to uh, me deciding to go to junior college and then going to Cal. Where'd you go to junior college? Uh, I went to Ohlone. And because Ohlone didn't have all of the classes I needed for what I anticipated my major would be. I also attended West Valley College and Chabot College. At one point, I was taking 21 units in a semester, going to three junior colleges and uh, two days a week. Wow. When did you transfer to Cal? After two years at Ohlone, essentially with a perfect GPA, I went there and uh, my intended major was computer science, and I quickly transitioned into economics. How did growing up in a first-generation family of Indian immigrants, how did that impact your life in Fremont and going to high school and going to junior college? What's interesting is that my grandmother and my mom are very progressive, for not having the exposure of the American culture until, of course, it, my mom moved here to California. And that, to me, felt as if this is a place I always belonged. So I didn't really see much of what some uh, people believe are, you know, the stereotypical Indian family in terms of being vegetarian or uh, being forced into thinking a certain way about a particular subject. Uh, they were very open to uh, me having sort of that freedom of thought that allowed me to develop into sort of who I am. It sounds like they were pretty interested in you performing well academically. That was 
something that my grandfather, when he was alive, took under his belt. My grandmother and grandfather moved to California from India at my young age of about five or six years old. My mom had lost my dad four months before I was born. And so she was a single mom and she tried out India for a while and eventually decided that the two of us didn't really appreciate what it had to offer. And I don't think she much appreciated it either, being a widow, and moved here. And subsequently, my grandmother and grandfather arrived. And my grandfather took it upon himself to focus on my sister and my education. And that became the central focus of, of my life with him. Uh, until he passed away the summer of my fifth grade, or my fourth grade. Have you been back to India at all on your own? Yes, we were on my own. My sister and I would normally travel there together in the summertime. So my mom's sister would come here. And if she didn't come here a given summer, then we would travel there. So at the very least, up until about 16 years old, I was going there every other year. How was that for you? I enjoyed it tremendously. I enjoyed vacationing there, but not living there. Uh, because I always felt my home was um, in California. Where in India did you spend some time? So we visited uh, Delhi. That is where my mom's sister and a lot of my grandmother's family is. We've also visited Mumbai. Back then it was called Bombay. And my grandmother comes from a large family, 13 brothers and sisters. Wow. And my and my dad had nine had nine siblings. So on both sides, we're now spread across the world. But my grandmother's side of the family, my mom's side, really is in India. And my grandfather's side is also there, but not as there aren't as many people. When you got to college at Berkeley, how did that feel different from being in high school and in community college in Southern Alameda County? There was a lot less hand-holding. And when I say that, I mean that, you know, you decide if you attend class. You decide uh, if you attend the, you know, the teacher's assistant lectures and support groups that they had. In the other forums, it was a lot of making sure that we were there, making sure we were we attended. And there was a lot of, you know, of course, much more attention given to individual students so that was lost. And naturally, I didn't focus more on attending the lectures if I read the materials in advance, which I quickly learned was not a good idea. When did you start thinking about going to law school? It's interesting. I didn't. When I graduated Cal, my mom said, so what are you going to do next? And I told her, I said, mom, just give me a year. I'll figure out how to make a million bucks. And when that didn't happen, <laughs> when that didn't happen, I think it was a culmination of my life experience, my own personal struggles in high school, not having a father, and sort of traveling, not just in Europe, but really in India to see the struggle and, and the plight of individuals there. But then it was really iced when I went to Europe and I saw, even within the social class I was in, that there were certain places I wasn't accepted. Remember, this is post-9-11, so how some people viewed uh, me when I traveled was a little bit different. And I, and I got a feeling of that in, from various places. And I, I think my life experience generally pushed me there. And I didn't really know what I was going to do until, of course, I graduated uh, from law school. So when you got out of Cal, you decided, well, I'll take a year off and go travel in Europe? Uh, exactly. How was that? It was wild. You know, I... I I saved enough money where at that time things, the, you know, the prices were much different in what we're paying now. And it was, 
the one of the most enjoyable experiences I've ever had with my friends, just absolutely letting go and letting free and, you know, taking trains from one part of the country to another uh, and having no one to answer to but each other. Yeah, I took a year off. I was actually during law school and traveled uh, through Europe. And I found that to be the most educational experience that I'd ever had in my life. Absolutely agree with you. It is something that, you know, we decided what we wanted to see based on what our interests were. And it was just overall one of the biggest eye-opening experiences to young adult life, even more so than college. So you get back from Europe and you decide, well, okay, I'm, I want to go to law school now. Is, is, is that exactly. right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So what did you do about that? So I prepared for the LSAT, talked to my mom about my plans, and she said, I, I knew that you what you're going to do, son. I said, well, how did you know? And why didn't you tell me after I graduated college? She says, I, I don't direct you. Uh, I simply encourage you uh, throughout your life. And one of the things that I recall when you were growing up is that you always had a way of arguing, negotiating with me in a way that your sister didn't. And you always wound up getting your way somehow. And that's why I knew that this would be a perfect fit for you. Mm, that's interesting. So where did you decide to go to law school? I went to Lincoln Law School in San Jose. It's a part-time program that allowed me to work full-time during the day, which was my primary focus. And as a result, it was a four-year program instead of a three-year program. And that's exactly what I did. I worked full-time uh, during the day and went to law school at night. What did you do for work? So I started working as an assistant to an LDA, an LDA under business and profession code is a legal document assistant who can provide essentially paperwork filled out for litigants, you know, pro se litigants in family court or do any other type of paperwork such as, you know, a transfer of a deed from a married couple to one, one person or whatever legal document was needed, she could essentially produce for a particular person. I, I did adoptions there. I did countless number of divorces, child custody cases. When I say I did that, I mean, I prepared the paperwork for them. I talked to clients about what to expect and just gave them basic information as to how family court works. I think the most unique thing I did was a an adoption of children from a couple who decided to give the neighbor, give up their child to the neighbor who had always wanted children, but they had many of their own and it was a surprise child. And that was probably the most unique case I worked on there. Do you think that working in a job that was related to the legal profession helped you in terms of your legal studies? I think it helped me more post law school, but not in terms of my legal studies. If someone was a young individual graduating from college, would you recommend the law as a profession? I would recommend anyone who has an interest in law or making change attend law school for one year and decide if they're cut out for it. I think it's a, an amazing profession. I think it opens a lot of doors in ways that even if you don't end up practicing law, that you wouldn't otherwise have an opportunity to pursue. So, yes, I think that it is an invaluable experience to go to law school. How is actually practicing either met or differed from your expectations about it? You know, when you're in law school, you read cases and you kind of envision how those cases start. The practice of law, at least the areas that I practice, are, you know, heavily geared towards litigation. It's not transactional in any way. And... I think that law school simply prepares you for the difficulties that cases may present and 
to carefully prepare for and be ready to argue on your feet. How about the business of practicing law? You know, uh, you and I and a lot of the people that we know, we, we're lawyers, but we, we run a business of running a law firm. And I'm wondering how that's gone for you and what you think about that. Well, it's interesting. There, when, I, when I graduated and got my bar card soon after, I decided to sort of shack up with a colleague who had an office in Old Oakland. And in that office were numerous independent attorneys who you who you know, Lou, from your sort of, you know, practice in this in, in Alameda County. You and, mean from from being around for a very long time that I know <laughs> a lot of people, right? <laughs> you know everyone, uh, which is why you're so so successful at being a great podcaster. So I I decided to bootstrap and sort of didn't work for anyone when I when I got my bar card and I naturally fell into the business of criminal defense and family law. And I never advertised. And to this day, um, I don't advertise. So when you ask me about the business of law and how uh, that's working, so far, not having advertised and being a referral-only attorney has served me well. I could certainly be doing better business-wise, but also I think that the capacity that I'm at is a very natural fit for me, given uh, the other aspects of my life and the demands on my time. So I am in no way disappointed not formally advertising to get in more clientele because I believe that I have a, a good amount of business naturally coming into, through the doors. And I sort of like that sort of grassroots feel to what I do. Suffice it to say that maybe one day I will pivot slightly and do some advertising in a way that makes sense for me. Is there anything that you know now that you really wished you knew before you had started out practicing? Probably I, I, I would have wished someone told me about the high level of stress involved in the day-to-day practice of law. What do you think is the best advice you've ever received? It's, it's a two-part answer. One is your credibility is everything in the court of law. So when you appear in front of uh, a judge, it is very important to be credible in every aspect of the case that you're working on and when you're asked a question to be direct. And the second um, best advice I was given, not in any particular order, was to be prepared. What aspect of practicing law do you think is your strong suit? Litigation. I think in hindsight, I, I, I am a trial attorney at heart. And looking back, is there one thing that you would change if you could? That's a difficult question to answer because I believe that all of my life experience has led me to where I'm at. If there was one thing I would change, it may be having gone to a full-time school to experience that aspect of, you know, meeting people more locally who are also practicing now in counties throughout the Bay Area. But because I was concerned about the financial aspect of and the cost of law school and my desire to keep costs down if I didn't get into the best law school that I thought was fit for me, I think that's the only thing I would probably reconsider. Do you think the legal system is fair? Do you think it dispenses justice? Compared to the rest of the world, I think our system uh, is great. It's certainly not perfect. There are many aspects of the system that could use work. But the reason I do this is because I believe in what I'm doing and that the other avenues available, I don't think would, would satisfy what the needs of this country are, at least the state of California. What's your own family life? been like and how has practicing law affected that? Well, I 
have been married for five years, soon to be six, and the it wasn't much different during that period when we didn't have a child. But since having our son about two and a half years ago, the demands for my time have become much more significant, and there's much more delicate balance in trying to juggle responsibilities between two full-time sort of workers and a young child that requires a lot of attention and, and wants to be with both parents uh, all the time. So the only struggle has been being a little bit more backed up overall because of satisfying the needs of someone who looks up to you. What sort of things do you enjoy doing as a family? So one of our most memorable trips was going to Hawaii in 2018. Another enjoyable time was going to the Oakland Zoo. When it, since it's opened up recently, we uh, went. The other things that we really enjoy are that at least our son enjoys are animals. So anytime we can pay a visit to an animal, the neighborhood we live in, in the hills in, in Montclair. So uh, many people have chickens. They have, there's a family here that has goats. So we oftentimes try to visit visit the goats and the chickens and uh, going for walks and going to the park. I think those are our uh, primary focuses. Of course, we also have a very large family in the Bay Area, so we make time for them uh, almost every weekend or every other weekend at the very least, which is also quite tolling. What sort of things do you do to kind of keep your sanity as a practicing attorney? I, I try to have fun when I'm not at work. So I, I Try not to carry the stress of the job on my shoulders, which is not easy to do because people outside of, you know, the ones that you care about, the people that actually hire you, want to talk to you at odd times throughout the day. So I think trying to create strict boundaries about when to field those calls and deal with clients is sort of been one of the things that is I've been managing better recently, but certainly trying to leave work at work is the other aspect of this job that is also challenging to manage. Have you been doing anything specific about drawing those boundaries with clients? I tried to not look at my phone for a few hours between um, 5 p.m. and 8 p.m. I try to just not even look at it. So, you know, if there's an emergency, my family will know how to reach me in other ways, but I just try to not look at my phone. How's that gone for you? It it sounds better than it has. So I, I do have to pick up my phone once in a while. And in that process, of course, responding to other messages uh, instead of having them build up is one of the things that's an interesting balance. But I think I've been doing pretty good. At least I've been better. Yeah, I mean, I think it's something that all of us struggle with because we we want to be there for our clients. Our clients have paid us to be there for them. And I think that we feel a sense of real responsibility. On the other hand, you know, we are entitled to some time for ourselves and we, we need to draw some lines. And I think that that's a, well, for, let me just speak for myself. It's a, it's a process and it's, it's not, easy for me to always find that balance. And I've been trying to find that balance for a very long time. I, you know, and, and that's been the hardest part. And I want to make myself available to all my clients. So I have every single client of mine has my cell phone number. Yeah. It's the same number that my family has. And I feel like because I have had experience working with lawyers when I wasn't a lawyer, I know the value of that to a client and I never want to take that away even if that means it putting more pressure on me on a day-to-day basis. 
Yeah, you know, I tell my clients, look, here's my cell phone number. Here's my office number. If you think it's an emergency, call my cell phone. You get to decide if it's an emergency. But if it's not an emergency, hey, call the office. We're really good about returning phone calls. You know, and I think that would work great if I didn't have, you know, a spouse with a with a with a child that they want to see or a problem with. Let me let me let me put it this way. If I didn't have family law where people think everything's an emergency, I think I'd be better off. Yeah. Family law is tough. It really is. Oh yeah. If you couldn't be a lawyer, is there some other job that you think that you might like to do? You know, I would probably do something in the area of math. I have been very good at math for as long as I can remember. And it's much more formulaic. It also is not stressful, (laughs) at least not for me. And I think that because I enjoy math, I would probably do something that my father had had done, which was something in the accounting arena. He was a certified public accountant. So I, I think that would be much less stressful too. So if it wasn't something involving math, anything that didn't involve high stress is something that would interest me. Do you think you have some kind of a superpower or some kind of a superpower that you'd like to have? Oh, gosh, I'm definitely not a narcissist, but what I'd like to have is the ability to heal. Yeah, yeah. I think that is something that in many aspects of my life I've seen would be would be the most powerful thing that I could help people. What kind of things keep you up at night? My family, in terms of their health and their well-being, I think that as we age, we realize the our you know the number of days left with those who are aging shrinks considerably, and that is probably the most concerning thing to me when I go to bed is um, thinking of them. Let's say you came into some real money, a few billion dollars, three or four billion dollars. What if anything would you do differently in your own life? I would find a way for my family, my in-laws family, and all of us to find a plot of land or homes back to back to back where we could all just be closer to each other. I think that's the first thing that I do. Uh, I think the second thing that I do is somehow help and give back to the local community because the struggles are too many for the people that sort of are that we see every day. Let's say you had a magic wand. You could wave it over the legal world, the world in general, is one thing you could change. What would you do with that magic wand? I'd probably eliminate hunger. I think when you see the world, we live in such a bubble oftentimes that we don't know the, the true struggles that are out there. But the one thing that people should never have to worry about is food on their plate and water in their glass. And so we have in a in my life in the Bay Area, it's been a life of privilege. There's always been running water and there's always been food on the table. And that is really, I think, what needs to be the common denominator for every human is having the ability to eat and eat and drink. And then I think that would open uh, their minds to focusing on other things and improving their life in other ways. Anything else that you wanted to say? You know, the only thing that I'd say is, you know, carpe diem right? Seize the day. We often take that for granted. We get stuck in the world of work and the mundane activities day to day after work, such as making dinner for the family, feeding our child or children. You know, I think the human connection can be lost at times. I think the most important thing for people to remember is live life to the fullest. Uh, We never know when our time's up. 
And before we can regret how we've lived, we should live how we wish to, so we can look back and say that we did everything we wanted. Gaurav Bali, thank you so much for talking to me this afternoon on the Love Thy Lawyer podcast. It's been a real pleasure talking to you. Thank you, Louis. Thanks for having me. That's it for today's episode of Love Thy Lawyer. If you enjoyed listening, please share it with a friend and subscribe to the podcast. If you have comments or suggestions, send me an email. I promise I'll respond. Take a look at our website at lovethylawyer.com, where you can find all of our episodes, transcripts, photographs, and information. Thanks, as always, to my guests who share their wisdom, and to Joel Katz for music, Brian Matheson for technical support, and Tracy Harvey. I'm Lewis Goodman. You know, we oftentimes played pool down on Shattuck. There was a pool hall there.